Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there are certain television shows on Netflix or Hulu or on net, network television that uh, every episode just keeps you on the edge of your seat. Uh, shows like Stranger Things, Once Upon a Time, WandaVision, you name it, where every episode gives hints and foreshadows what's going to come next, what's going to come in future episodes. And then you get to the season finale where all of that stuff falls into place, everything suddenly makes sense, everything foreshadowed is suddenly a reality, at least a television reality. And that's sort of what's going on in Luke chapter 1. The things that God has promised, that he's foreshadowed and hinted at, are becoming a reality. The people have been waiting, awaiting the promised Savior, and now it's announced he's on his way. And so we're introduced to Mary. She's a teenager, somewhere between the age of 12 and 15, and we know that because that's when women typically got engaged at this time, and we see she's engaged to Joseph. But since the wedding is still a ways off, she's a virgin. And she lives in a small backwater town that's not really all that important, Nazareth. And so picture her going about her day, doing her chores, helping out with her family, living the ordinary life of an ordinary Jewish girl in the first century. And then, bam, an angel appears to her. Keep in mind, Angelic appearances are rare, even in Scripture. So she is most likely shocked and perhaps a little terrified. 
into her ordinary world comes the extraordinary plan of God, told by Gabriel, God's messenger. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, if we had an angel come up to us and say that, we might, like Mary, wonder, what are you trying to say exactly? might make us a little uneasy. But he reassures her. He tells her not to fear because she has found favor with God. And perhaps that favor was not because she deserved it, but because God simply chose to extend his grace to her in this way. Gabriel announces the extraordinary. She is going to give birth to the Messiah. He says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, mind you, she's not even pregnant. She's not married. And yet, he, she says, he says, you're going to conceive. Now, the name Jesus means the Lord saves, which already tells us this is what Jesus is going to do. Matthew 1.21 tells us that he's called Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. He's going to heal the estrangement between us and God that our sin has caused. And Gabriel says that Jesus will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. Now look, I am a big fan of Santa Claus, but move over Santa. The Son of God is coming to town. And then Gabriel says, The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, this is huge, because this is exactly who the people were looking for. They were waiting for a deliverer from the line of King David. And the reason for that was because God promised King David that his throne, his line of kings, would endure forever. In 2 Samuel 7, he says to him, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, there hasn't been a legitimate king of Israel for hundreds of years at this time. And then Jesus comes on the scene because he's coming to fulfill that promise made to David. He's going to be a descendant of David, and he's not just going to rule for 10 or 40 years. He's going to rule forever. We read in Isaiah 9-6, written 700 years before Jesus was born. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so Jesus begins to set up his eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God, at his first coming. But it will come to full fruition at his second coming, where he will rule visibly over the entire world, 
in a new heaven and new earth, full of righteousness, justice, and peace. And so as we look forward to Christ's first coming in Advent, we also look forward to his second coming. God's promises, spoken long ago, are coming true right before Mary's eyes. Now, hearing all this news, she's got a very legitimate question. And when she asks this question, it's not that she's doubting the angel. She just knows where babies come from. And she knows that she's not married. And she knows that virgins don't ever conceive children. It is literally impossible. And so, how exactly will this happen? Well, Gabriel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Essentially, he's saying, God is going to make the impossible possible. A virgin, for the first and only time in history, will conceive a child without the help of a man. Now, Look, we hear this story all the time, so it's so familiar to us. It's like, oh yeah, Mary was a virgin, gave birth to Jesus, whatever. We forget, I think, how truly impossible this, this is and, and must have sounded as well. What God is about to do is just as impossible as this church building suddenly being teleported to the moon, where we will then be interviewed by giant space rhinos, who just got back from vacation surfing in Mars. That's how truly, seemingly impossible this message is. But God is going to do the impossible. He's going to override the normal workings of nature. Because the same one that caused life to spring up at the beginning of time can bring about life in Mary's womb. And the fact that it will happen in this miraculous way will demonstrate, indeed, that Jesus is holy, that he is the Son of God. And then Gabriel offers Mary this amazing reassurance. Mary, um, you know your relative? Yeah, yeah the, the, the old one that, uh, that couldn't have children her whole life, that's really old now, that you know totally couldn't, couldn't ever possibly have children at her age. Yeah, she's six months pregnant. What do you know? She's also had an impossible pregnancy. And you can look at her to realize that God has done the impossible and he will do the impossible because nothing is impossible with God. He will do what he says he will do. Now, how does she respond to all this? I think some of us would say, you know what, that sounds great. Thank you, no thank you. Um, Go next door to Rivka, she might be interested. But that's not what Mary does. She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She humbles herself before God and submits her entire life to his will. To the call he's placed on her to carry the promised Messiah. She lets go of her plans her dreams, and her own expectations of what her future would hold. And she embraces God's. And she takes great risk. To be pregnant and unmarried at this time 
was a very big deal. So much so that because she's already engaged to Joseph, if people think she's fooled around, she could be killed for adultery. And yet she lays that at God's feet. She places her life in God's hands. Understand this, Mary was not some super spiritual giant. She was just a teenager, just an ordinary girl, just a regular person like you and me, who through God's grace bowed herself before his will and trusted him. And by God's grace, no matter how old or young we are, we can do the same. So I'll ask you this, how would you have responded? Put yourself in Mary's shoes. Ask to trust that God will do something impossible. Laying down the plans you had and accepting God's plans, which may be very different. When we say yes to God, as Mary did, it's rarely easy and it's rarely convenient. And yet, if we are his children, shouldn't our answer always be, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. You see, as Christians, we are Christ followers. That's what it means. And it means that we have laid our lives before Christ already to follow what he says and where he leads. He is the authority over our lives, not us. And so in light of that, let us live our lives to say, behold, we are the servants of the Lord. We're meant to say yes to God's commands in the way that he's revealed them in Scripture. Mary submitted herself to God's will, and so we must do the same to God's commands every day. His word tells us how to follow him, what things bring him honor and glory, what dishonors him, the things that he has created that are good for us, things that are not so good for us that maybe we might be mistaken to think are. And his word shows us how to live lives that will flourish. To live life in the way God intended, centered around Jesus, through whom we find lasting hope and peace. Now this doesn't mean that life is easy. Many times obedience requires great sacrifice. And yet if Jesus is our ultimate love and goal, we know that nothing we lose in this life can be compared to what we have in him now, to what we gain up and including eternity with him. We're also meant to say yes to God uh, and his leading in our lives personally or individually because there are certain things God calls us specifically to do. I'll give you an example. For my entire career in ministry, which has been about 10 years, um, I swore I would never be a senior pastor. That was not part of my life goal. That actually was something that scared me, the responsibility, the the preaching every week. Um, And yet God began to call me to do just that. And I'm sharing this story not to say I'm just like Mary because I said, yeah, absolutely, Lord. My answer was more like, nope. And yet God had to work on my heart and on my fears. 
And I tell you, I am so happy he did. Yeah, you know, moving from one place to another and, and finding a new house and selling another house, yeah, that was stressful. But I am amazed at the wisdom of God because I cannot imagine not doing this. I love preaching every week. I love being part of this beautiful church that we fell in love with the moment we met y'all. God changed our plans. He changed our location. But we would not trade it for anything. Because following God's plans, are, are, they're not always easy. But they are always, always worth it. Whether he's calling you to a particular ministry or whether he's calling you to love that neighbor down the road that drives you crazy. Following God's ways are always worth it. So where in your life do you need to say yes to God? Where you need to say, yes, I will follow your will. I will trust you. Is there a particular command in Scripture that you've been avoiding? Perhaps the one about forgiveness or loving your enemies. Is God leading you to a particular role in the church or in a career within the community? Is God pointing to an area in your life that you've been holding back from him, which we all do that, maybe with finances or your career path, entertainment choices, relationships? Is God simply asking you to trust in him in the impossible situation you're facing right now? God can do the impossible. And so he can give us the grace to do what he calls us to do right when we need it, even in the hardest of times. If he did the impossible with Mary and Elizabeth, he can do the same with us. And so let us say, behold, I am the servant of the Lord, and let it be to me according to your word. Now Mary shows us that this obedience and trust in God is not in vain. I mean, she gave birth to the Messiah, the one who saved us. And God also made sure to send an angel to Joseph. Matthew 1, 20 to 21. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Our trust and obedience to God is never wasted. The promised king is coming to his people, and God used an ordinary girl and the impossible to do it. And that shows us that you can be nine or you can be 90. You could be five or you can be 15. But you know what? The Lord can and will use you. Kind of a rallying song that I thought of uh, related to this sermon is a Carol King song. I love Carol King. Um, and I modified the lyrics just slightly to one of her songs. And I worded it like this. Loving you the way I do, I only want to be with you. And I would go to the ends of the earth, because Savior, to me, that's what you're worth. Where you lead, I will follow anywhere. That you tell me to, if you call, 
Call me to follow you, I will follow where you lead. How will we follow God's call and walk in obedience today? There is grace and forgiveness where we failed, but we can begin again anew this morning. Let us pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the way that you sent your son into this world. We pray that you would help us to see the ways that you are calling us to become more like you, areas of our lives that you're calling us to follow you more dearly. Lead and direct our paths. Help us to be willing. Draw us near to you each day. In Jesus' name, amen.